Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the digital media editor at Heart. Today, we're talking all about the role of cardiac CT for optimizing PCI outcomes. And I have a great discussion with Dr. Carlos Collette from Alst in Belgium, all about his education in Heart paper, which covers that topic. I hope you enjoy the show. And once again, many thanks for the reviews that you leave on the podcast platforms. It really does help us reach new audience members. Thank you very much for joining me today, Carlos. Maybe I could have you introduce yourself for the Heart Podcast audience. Who are you? Where do you work? And what do you do there? Thank you for having me first. Uh, my name is Carlos Colet. I'm an interventional cardiologist. I work at the Cardiovascular Center OLV Als in Belgium. Uh, this uh, uh, beautiful small city between Kent and, uh, and Brussels. And I were there since uh, about five years. And uh, the reason why we're having this conversation today is because I'm, a, I'm one of these interventional cardiologists that also learn to do how, how to do coronary CT. So basically my practice now and also my research is focused on how to integrate CT into the cat lab. And you've just written a fantastic education in heart paper, which is in, indeed called the role of cardiac CT to optimize percutaneous coronary intervention outcomes. And maybe you can, a little bit of scene setting for us all. What was the background to this paper? Why do you think it's a, a good time to uh, give the audience uh, some of this content? Well, you know, the, the field of coronary CT has evolved tremendously in the last uh, few decades, uh, not only from the hardware perspective that you have seen how the scanners have just become better and better and better, but also from the evidence point of view. And I think that the UK has been the pioneer in actually pushing the evidence uh, uh, showing that actually using CT in patients with chest pain improve clinical outcomes. And that is basically the foundations of, of the guidelines, both the American guidelines and the European guidelines, suggesting that CT or recommending CT as uh, one of the first tests in patients with chest pain. Now, what is the immediate consequence of that? Is that we in the cat lab are receiving more and more patients that have already a CT performed beforehand. So that has become, uh, become kind of a clinical routine for us. And what has changed in the meantime is that we have realized as an interventional community that CT overcomes many of the limitations that conventional angiography has. And I'm particularly referring to the fact that you can plan the procedure based on the CT images. And that makes a lot of sense, of course, because it's, it's the same patient, the image has been acquired, and we're extracting a lot of information from the CT that is relevant to the PCI procedure. And let's dive into that a little bit more deeply. As you say, uh, yeah, we have trials in the UK, like the Scott Hart trial, which put uh, the use of cardiac CT front and center for allocating patients, really, um, who present with, with chest pain, stable chest pain, I should say. Um, and where do you see the main uses of CT in terms of PCI? Is it useful for planning the procedure? Or uh, obviously, we've already selected our patient based on a cardiac CT. How do you go about personally using it after that stage? Well, so, so I think that the first step that, that CT solved is, of course, the fact that you can not only uh, uh, understand whether there is obstructive or non-obstructive disease in the, in, the, in the coronaries, but you can also understand what is the limitation of flow. And this is, of course, assessed through uh, the technology called FFRCT that has two uh, levels of information that we use in the cat lab. The first one is the classical one, which is 
that a lesion can be significant or not in the sense that is ischemic or non-ischemic. That's the first element that we use. But the second element is looking at FFRCT uh, in a way that you are able to extract the pattern of coronary artery disease. And I'm talking about focal and diffuse disease. In other words, is that lesion that is an anatomical lesion, 50-60%, producing a high translational pressure gradient, and in other words, will benefit from PCI, or are we talking about diffuse disease that we know that PCI has, let's say, less benefit than in focal disease? So we're kind of integrating all this information coming from physiology to understand a little understand better what is the, the clinical indication for PCI and what would be the likelihood that that PCI will result, let's say, in complete restoration of blood flow, which occurs typically in case of focal disease. So that, that's the first step. The second step is, is looking at the at the pictures. And, and some of the things that I try to uh, teach my, my interventional colleagues is that we have to look at the images because the images, you know, is, is you can write whatever you want to write in your report of, of CT, but when you look at the image, you really understand what you are dealing with. And one of the big advantages of CT for us is the fact that CT is very good to assess calcium. And uh, you might know this, but in the cat lab, calcium, we see the calcium as the enemy right. of the interventional cardiology. So, yeah. and, and, and the problem that we have is that with angiography, it's very difficult to see. So having the opportunity to understand the calcium burden really prepares you for the complexity of the disease you're about to treat. And that, of course, that influences, for example, access site. So if you're going to engage in a very complex procedure with a lot of calcium, you might be using larger uh, guiding catheters. You perhaps will be choosing an alternative uh, access route, for example, femoral, if you're using for all your cases radial. So it kind, kind of prepares you for the case that you're about to do assessing the complexity based on the amount of calcium. And I also see from your from your lovely paper, and there's many, many diagrams and tables in here, it also helps you look for things like lesion-specific ischemia and optimal selection of views in the cath lab, which show you the angles you need to, uh, to, to use for deploying your stent and things. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so th there is th certainly a lot of things we have learned recently from, from CT, and I can tell you. Uh, let's start with, for example, the selection of the material. Mm. Uh, and and for us, you know, it, it's very easy to understand where the takeoff of the of the RCA and the, and the left coronary are when you look at the actual view. And we have understood that there are set certain takeoff of the coronary arteries that are specifically, uh, let's say, better engaged with certain curve of, of catheters. And, and that makes our life easy because you... Uh, you, you know that sometimes we try with one catheter, then we change for another one, then we change for another one uh, until we really find the one that fits that particular patient. Yeah. And and this is this is a completely overcome by just looking at the position of the osteo with CT. The second part, I think I'll come back to the calcium analysis, is the fact that we can understand whether the calcium is completely circumferential, whether the calcium is a long calcium plaque or a thick or thin calcification, and that changes the approach for lesion preparation. So lesion preparation in calcific lesions is a very important field in PCI. Uh, the main reason for that is that if you place a stent in an unprepared calcific lesion, that would lead to extended expansion, and extended expansion is the main cause of stent failure. 
So we're making a lot of emphasis on really fracturing the calcium or preparing the calcium before we place the stent. So CT uh, enables you first to understand that a PCI might not be for a normal balloon and you might need to use different techniques, like for example, rotablation or shockwave that are new, that are tools that are actually meant to deal with calcific lesions and, and, and prepare them well before you place the stand. So these are the things that we are kind of extracting from the CT. The last one that I would mention uh, uh, now is the fact that you can also understand the extension of the disease. Mm. And sometimes with angiography, of course, we see the stenosis, but we don't understand where the plaque starts and where the plaque ends. Yeah. And with the CT, by the fact that you can look at both calcific and also lipidic disease, you can understand what is the extent of that plaque. And that is very important because that drives the selection of stent length. And ideally, you would like to cover the complete disease with your plaque, and you would have also to, to avoid landing with the stent at a plaque because that induces a dissection and complication. So these are, you know, small details, but a change changes the decision in several moments of the PCI procedure. Another thing you mentioned, which I wasn't aware of as a, a non-interventional cardiologist, is this idea of myocardial mass at risk, uh, which you can extract from the CT and maybe help you decide whether you're happy to occlude a small side branch or not. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because that may be something that other listeners are also not aware of. Yeah, so I invite all the listeners to look at the paper because we have uh, a couple of figures there that are really uh, self-explanatory in the sense that with CT uh, and the new softwares that are available, you can actually derive the percent of myocardial mass. You can also know the grams, by the way. Okay. And and you can know that by every in every single position of the coronary tree. And it's extremely simple. With the software, you just click on top of the vessel and the software will tell you how much mass is subtended from that particular point. Uh, and, and then, of course, you can understand in, for example, in a bifurcation, how big is the mass subtended by the side bridge. Why is this so important? Because as you said, if you're engaging into a PCI uh, that is a bifurcation and then the diagonal subtend more or less the same mass of the LAD, that's a diagonal yeah, you can you would you can never lose in the PCI. You will be doing a PCI or bifurcation strategies to really preserve that side branch. And you have cases where the side branch is, you know, very small, less than 10%. And again, the strategy in terms of the bifurcation PCI changes completely. So these are the things that we have been uh, using CT also to guide specifically in this subset of bifurcation lesions. And just as we come towards the end, can you tell us a little bit about the trials that are ongoing in terms of uh, looking for the sort of benefit of CT-guided PCI, maybe against intravascular imaging-guided PCI? Yeah, so based on all this uh, uh, research and, and everything we have been learning in the last five, uh, ten years, we have engaged into uh, generating the necessary evidence to understand what is the benefit of this approach. And the approach is, again, using CT for the planning of the PCI, in other words, preparing yourself for the procedure, sometimes even selecting the operator that needs to do that specific procedure in case of there is a very complex disease, understanding the physiology of the lesion and the potential benefit of PCI. And one thing that we have kind of taken the field one step further is the fact that we are now using these geometries which are 3D and color-coded, and we are putting them inside the cat lab. So every time that you see your angio next to it, you see the CT, 
which will show you exactly the same coronary geometry, but it will show you, in addition to the lumen, the plaque. And these geometries are synchronized with the CR. So every time that you move your C-arm, you will see the geometry moving. So you quickly understand what will be the best projection. That will be a link to potential reduction in contrast and radiation. These are some of the endpoints of the trial. So the trial that we have designed is called P4. And P4 is a trial that is, is a randomized clinical trial. We're going to include a little bit more than 1,000 patients. And we're going to randomize those uh, patients with significant coronary artery disease based on physiology to either be treated following what we call CT-guided PCI, which is all this concept that we have been discussing, preparing yourself, using physiology all the time, using imaging derived from CT all the time, and they're performing the PCI guided by that, versus a control arm. And we have decided to use an IVUS guided PCI because we believe that today the best approach that it is to uh, to do a PCI is guided by uh, IVUS, so that's going to be our competitor. And then we're going to be looking at outcomes. This is a clinical trial. MACE is the primary endpoint. We're going to be looking at that at one year. And I'm very happy to, to tell you that we have included today 310 patients. Uh, the trial is starting in the UK pretty soon in, in January, so we're pretty happy with the, with the progress of the trial. And we truly believe that this approach will really increase the awareness of both diffuse disease that you can see with physiology, but also on the necessity of advanced plaque preparations with calcium. And uh, finally, we believe that this approach will improve clinical outcomes. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see the results of those uh, of that trial. In I think it's 2026, you said the results would probably be available. And what about finally just touching on the limitations of CT in, in PCI? Where do, you, where do you think the technique sometimes struggles to give you the information you need? Yeah, so I think everything that we have been discussing applies, of course, to the pre-procedural phase. You yeah. can understand what to expect, what you have to do, uh, what can happen. You can have, of course, uh, plan A, plan B, plan C. But once you start the procedure and you start modifying the plaque, you start trying to dilate the, the vessels or, or fracture the calcium, you don't really have any kind of live information what have been achieved by the procedure that you have done. So this is something that requires the use of intravascular imaging, either OCT or IVUS. Uh, and this is, again, a limitation that we have also to, to, to recognize that CT, of course, give you the information before the patient comes in, but everything that happened afterwards should be assessed, again, after any, any maneuver. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, uh, Carlos, for your, for your time today. It's been uh, really interesting to discuss uh, the paper. I will make the paper open access for a few weeks if it's not already, so everybody can read it and enjoy the wonderful figures and uh, can, uh, I'm sure, contact you if they have other questions about this technique. But yeah, a really uh, pioneering article. We really enjoyed publishing it in Heart. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me, James.